0: Your life and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we buy shit we don't need. Ideas are weak. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Biohackers, welcome to another episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. In today's episode, I sit down with Mel and Jin of the Intermittent Fasting podcast. Melanie Avalon is the author of the What When Wine Diet, effortless weight loss, paleo-style meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. And Jen Stevens is the author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. And together, they are the expert duo behind the Intermittent Fasting Podcast, through which they educate listeners on how to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance health by changing when you eat, not what you eat. More and more people are realizing the benefits of intermittent fasting and with their wealth of both both personal and anecdotal experience working with thousands of clients, Men and Jin are a treasure trove of information and guidance into the subject. In this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show podcast, Mel and Jin and I discuss the cookie diet. Yep, it's actually a real thing. The two reasons people trying the ketogenic diet often don't lose weight what the scientific literature says about intermittent fasting and how it slows down biological aging, what it means to keep your fast, quote unquote, clean, the best types of wine for health and reducing oxidative stress, special intermittent fasting protocols, practical applications, and much, much more. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Mel and Jin of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. All right, so I'm here with Melanie and Jin of the Intermittent Fasting podcast. Really excited to hang out with you, ladies, and uh, hear some of the cool stuff you've been working on in the IF world and what you found to really like take your health to the next level and accelerate fat loss. Um, but before you two became experts in this space, maybe um, we'll start with Melanie. You can give us a little bit of an idea, like what was your background, where? Where were you at in your life before you kind of took the deep dive into IF and uh, the 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 paleo ancestral health community?
1: Well, first of all, I'm so excited to be here, Anthony. Thank you for having us. Um, So, as far as my diet history goes, I was always doing the crazy fad diets, trying to lose weight. Like I did everything. Um, Calorie counting was the main thing. I would do crazy things like like cookie the cookie diet. And uh, I would try vegetarianism. Not that that's bad, but it didn't work for me. Wait, um, but I was always just trying diet? something.
0: How did I a cookie miss?
1: diet. That's um, <laughs> you missed this. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's where you basically have shipments of cookies sent to your door, and you replace your meals with them. And, and I did this for like a good few months when I was in college. Like these massive boxes would show up with these cookies, and you eat them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is, is there, is this done with the intention of losing weight? And like,
1: yes, uh, really? Yes. Are these, different? Mm-hmm. And Are these now, different
0: from any other yeah. cookies? Is there anything special? Apparently,
1: about them? apparently, I guess they're supposed to just blast away your fat and uh, get rid of your appetite, but I mean now it's funny because I'm very like whole foods oriented now, and I'm very not processed food. I'm not a processed food lover, and I looked at the ingredients recently of these cookies, and it's just it's just terrible, like <laughs> oh
0: <my laughs> um, not
1: the best. Uh, so, needless to say, none of that was ever very effective for me. I would just kind of oscillate around the same few pounds. Um, but then in college, my, so my, like my personal timeline was I first found low carb and that was when I discovered that there was something to what you eat versus, um, calorie counting or anything like that. Like health was somehow related to macronutrients and what you're putting in your body. And then the second aspect was intermittent fasting, which is our topic today. Um, but I've been doing that for about seven years and that just really, really, changed my perspective on food, on health, on energy, on everything. And that was the first time that I really started. That that loss seemed to be effortless all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, I was like on a team with my body rather than fighting against it. And it was, I thought it was going to be really difficult uh, the first day. And I said I would do it for a week and I never stopped. And then since then, I've also adopted a, a paleo whole foods diet as well, um, because I feel like the more in tune you become with your body and with eating, uh, the more like it, it extends from the fasting to, the, to what you're eating as well, because you just become in tune with how foods make you feel. So that's, that's my personal story. <laughs>
0: uh, that's great. Okay. A um, couple, couple rapid fire questions. Like yes, ready. When, when you started, when you started becoming conscientious of your carb intake, um, and seeing some of these benefits, like what was, what were some of the things that you were eating that you hadn't been eating before?
1: Um, so when I switched, uh, so for the low carb before that, it was really just about weight loss and it was really just about calorie counting. When I went low carb, I cut out the, it was more not, not really what I started eating, but what I cut out, which was grains and sugar. Um, And that was the first time that I just, it wasn't even about weight loss as much as I felt different as a person. Like my blood sugar became more regulated. My skin started clearing up, my energy improved. And so that's when I really became, and I was losing weight. So that's when I became a bit obsessed with the science of fat burning and food and all the stuff.
0: <laughs> oh, nice! I love it. And when you started intermittent fasting, because like after after Jen shares her story, I'll I'll kind of talk about like my first dive into intermittent fasting, which was like kind of like an epic fail. Um, oh no! <laughs> oh, was, no I'm like, excited to hear. <laughs> how oh, how did you how did you start with intermittent fasting? Like, was it did you did you do sixteen eight or like?
1: And maybe you can explain
0: intermittent fasting for if there's someone listening that doesn't know what it is, maybe you could give uh, an explanation.
1: Sure, sure. So intermittent fasting, it's basically a pattern of eating where you restrict the hours that you eat each day rather than the amount of food you eat. Um, So it's A lifestyle choice. It doesn't have anything to do with how many calories you consume or how much, even how much food you consume. It's just the time window that you consume that food in each day. And what it does is it makes your body, it forces your body in a way to go into a fat burning mode every day. And it just has a a array of astounding health benefits. Um, It's absolutely fantastic for you. Uh, But there are a lot of different ways to do it because people do different eating windows. So the way I started was well i was always when i found low carb i was started getting in all the online communities and all the message boards and all the posts and all the stuff and um, i found this one website this one post and it was about the warrior diet but it was talking about um, eating oh hey, hey, <laughs> it was about <laughs> it was about uh, eating one meal per day basically at night Boy, and it heart. had just Sorry. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's the author of The Warrior Diet. Um, and it just had hundreds and hundreds of comments testifying about how amazing it was. And so I was like, I'm, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to jump in. I'm only going to eat one meal tomorrow. Um, I thought it would be miserable. It really wasn't that bad. And I never stopped. So that's yeah. That's that.
0: <laughs> awesome. I love it. Um, Jen, where were you? Yes. Where were you before well, intermittent fasting? and?
2: I was like really fat. No, <laughs> no I, I laugh about it, but I was. Um, I'm a good bit older than Melanie, so I have um, more decades of diet history I'm 47 now so Whoa. I'm yeah yeah
0: I thought you' were in your 20s
2: there you go I'm 47 no because intermittent fasting is the fountain of youth right yeah <laughs> <laughs> Love it. actually it is we can get into that but um, like Melanie I tried almost every diet over the decades you know starting from the 90s my first diet actually the 80s my first diet attempts were of course calorie counting because that's what we did then we went into low low-fat and just you know the snack well era where we just ate a bunch of low-fat garbage all the time. And just from that point on, I always was in search of the perfect diet. And so I just read all the books. I mean, I never did the cookie diet, I have to admit. <laughs> I, <laughs> I did not. I've always been more of a savory eater than a sweet eater. But I um, tried everything that came along. I finally discovered intermittent fasting for the first time in 2009, but I wasn't ready for it yet. I kept trying to turn it into like a short-term diet. And so I had like a diet or mindset instead of like, this is going to be my lifestyle. So I would go back to it like for a week or something. I don't even think I gave my body time to get into the fat burning state. And then I would stop and then I would start. And of course it didn't work. because I didn't give it time to work um, until finally in 2014, I went on a, a family vacation and we had like family photos and I was 44 years old. And when we got back home from that cruise, I looked at the photos and I weighed 210 pounds. So it like shocked me into, okay, I've got to do something. I was really overweight. I was probably on my way to type two diabetes, you know, insulin resistance. I had the abdominal fat. It was awful. And so I said, it's time to get serious. So basically I, I, Still wasn't quite sure how it's going to make intermittent fasting work for me, but in 2014, I committed and I went on to lose over 80 pounds and I've been maintaining that loss now for over two years. So it just gets easier and easier over time. Unlike most most diets where people struggle, you know, and they they regain the weight, that hasn't been an issue. In fact, I continue to lose and my husband's like, stop, stop losing weight, (laughs) but my body isn't still quite done. Um... (laughs) <laughs> with the it's a with good the fat. problem to have <laughs> it is it's a very good problem to have. I just had to give away a bunch of my shorts to a friend. She came over and gave just them to the- her <laughs> <laughs> shorts that are now too big.
0: Oh, that's great! Yeah. So when when you yeah. guys started making these changes in your life, like was there was there something that you were seeking, like a change that you were after? Was it was it just like that you were dissatisfied with the excess body fat, or was it like was were, were these was Suboptimal health manifesting itself in other ways were you tired, were you depressed, or was it just body composition?
2: Well, at first, I have to say, I mean you know at two hundred and ten pounds on a five foot five frame, it was unhappiness with the amount of fat that I had. I felt terrible um, it was it was miserable going through life that heavy, so I started off wanting to lose the fat, but the more that I read about fasting, the more I learned about it, the more I saw other people going through it, through the online communities, the more I realized it was about health, and so now I would not stop intermittent fasting for any reason because of the fact that it's tied to health and longevity more so than just now I'm at my ideal body weight, Yeah, if that makes
1: sense.
0: Cool, cool. Yeah, and
2: as...
1: As for me, um, so it was mostly (laughs) vanity driven, just the whole wanting to lose those extra few pounds, just being a bit obsessed with that. But it's, it's interesting. Once I did adopt an IF protocol, things went away that I didn't realize were bothering me as much. Um, so for example, like my skin just really improved, um, Things like headaches. I used to get headaches normally, and I thought that was just kind of normal. And I, those ki- those stopped as well. I stopped catching colds as much. Um, so it, I wasn't in like a terrible like my feeling physically. Um, but then when I did adopt IF, it just really changed so many things for the better. And like Jen said, I would not for the health benefits. I would not mm-hmm. stop IF now. It's not about weight loss at all right.
0: anymore now um, at all. <laughs> um, it's just for the health, really. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. And like, so before we dive into the nitty gritty, you guys mentioned something really important. And, and that was like the difference between having a dieters mindset, and then mm-hmm. kind of like, where you're at today. And mm-hmm. it said, like, when you started, you kind of had that dieters mindset. Can you kind of compare and contrast a, a dieters mindset versus where you're at now?
2: Exactly. I felt, you know, when you have a dieter's mindset, you're on the diet or you're off the diet, you start the diet, you stop the diet, and you feel like once you get there, like, okay, I'm at goal now, I can go back to my normal life. That's what a dieter and how a dieter thinks. But if you are living a a healthy lifestyle, you don't stop it because you're choosing to live that lifestyle for the health benefits that it gives you. So once I made that switch, it really turned effortless because I was like, well, I'm never going to stop doing this. Because it's, it's a lifestyle for health. I'm not trying to diet. And it doesn't feel like a diet. And you no longer feel like, you don't feel like you're restricting anything to the point that it, it's difficult, if that makes sense. You don't feel like you're giving anything up. You, um, instead of dreading like, oh, I can't eat till later. It's not like that at all. I'm like feeling so good during the day. And I'm excited that later there'll be a good meal. But I'm not like driven to think about food all the time. It's really a very freeing way to live. And people can't understand it who eat in a more typical, you know, all day pattern. They can't imagine that you could be happy this way. <laughs> if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such an added stressor in our lives to need to like meal prep. Especially oh yeah. If mm-hmm. you're, if you're still on a program, that's like six meals a day, you know, eat every two hours. It's like, you're packing a backpack before you leave the house. And like, you can't eat anything when you're on the road. And like, when you're, when you're doing IF, it's like the complete opposite. You're just like, right. oh, there's nothing good to eat. I guess I'll just fast.
2: Right. Well, like right now is usually when I would be breaking my fast right now, but we have this call happening. And so, or this podcast. And so I said, well, I'll just do that later. And it's not a big deal. I'm not like, oh my
1: God, I need to be eating while we're talking. (laughs) It's not a problem. It's ridiculously freeing. I can't even... Describe how amazing it is. And, and you, you go from like going back to the dieters mindset thing. Um, when I was in the dieting fixation, you always feel like you're a toting for everything. So, like, you're restricting when you eat. And then when you eat, you feel like you have to make up for it. You have to like work it off. And then you have to restrict again. And it's just honestly, it's just miserable. Um, and now it's just so freeing. I don't even, you, you learn to look at food with no fear, but instead with. And it's like nourishing and wonderful and delicious, and it's just amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. it's, it's great. I mean, my, my first experience with intermittent fasting, I I think it was probably Ori's book um, mm-hmm. that I came across, and like it's fun. We've had him, we've had him on this podcast too, and he's just like, I mean, man's a, a wealth of knowledge. Um, but like I was going through so much other stuff. Like I had digestive issues and like chronic fatigue and everything else. And I was like, maybe intermittent fasting is the answer. So I'm like the first time I tried just stopping eating, I was like, I'm going to do one meal today. Now, Granted, that one meal, I had an Italian dinner planned with my parents, <laughs> and, like Mangianos. But I was like, if I could just hold on until dinner, yeah. like, maybe this will solve all of my all of my challenges that I have going on. And um, I'm just like sitting in a chair, trying to muscle my way through the day, miserable, like in the cartoons, how you see them like dream, like people start looking like chicken drumsticks and stuff. Oh, That's no. like kind of how I was. And uh, we went to Mangianos, and I was getting like chicken Parmesan and like two things of pasta and a big salad. I just crushed all of it. And, you know, I'm eating the bread on the table too. And then I was like, Oh, this intermittent fasting stuff doesn't work. (laughs)
1: Oh, wow. So was it a one day? You did it one day. Do you do another day? No. So then I realized it was probably like
0: all of the garbage that I ate that had a, a bigger, a bigger role than, uh, than, than the timing of things. And, um, and but I remember like when I started doing it seriously, it was still difficult at the beginning for me to go like even 14, 15 hours. Like I had to kind of right. like work my way up to sixteen hours. Now there was there was some candida and some SIBO going on that like mm-hmm. were also triggering some cravings of their own. Um, SIBO being small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and like um but, yeah, I, and then I gradually started working myself up to 18 hours and 24 hours, and, you know, now I've done some some much longer than that. Um, were you guys able to just dive right in, or what was your experience?
2: Well, for me, this is Jen. I actually um, tried to go keto right before because, you know, I knew I needed to lose weight, so I tried to go keto, low-carb. So I had been actually doing that for a few months, and then um, I didn't lose a single pound, which <laughs> shows how I was not going to give up. I mean, I did – you know, the entire summer did not lose a single pound, but I think that might have helped my body transition into the fat burning state mm-hmm. so that when I switched over to intermittent fasting. My body was fat adapted, so then it was like effortless. And you know, I tried had tried from for 2009 to 2014, never could make it work. But now suddenly, my body was fat adapted, and intermittent fasting was like so easy. And I was reintroducing carbs at the same time, so it was like the best of both worlds. And I immediately started losing weight, even with reintroducing carbs. So then I was like, this is this is it for me.
1: And then I never looked back from that very moment. So I think that, that yeah, really and died. I like Jim similar story since I was low carb already, I, my body was fat adapted as it were um so i think it made the transition to if a lot easier because when your body's used to running on fat stores it just does better going without food um so i think that definitely helped uh everything but actually like jen as well i actually eat higher carb now whole food yeah we space, neither
2: of us are low carb now neither of us eat a carb diet we eat plenty of
0: carbs so i
1: mean mine's probably <laughs> low carb compared to standard american diet but it's um, definitely not keto. Um, right.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, yes. totally. I'm, uh, I, I went through some similar, some similar phases and like, you know, where like every carb was the devil unless it was like, yes, a- <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes. And, oh uh, my goodness. Yes. And, and then
0: but, like, I also like, wasn't savvy enough to like, stop doing CrossFit and like mm-hmm. these insane workouts. So I'm sitting there basically like just running my glycogen into the, into the gutter and yeah, uh, man. Wonder why, <laughs> wonder why I'm not bursting with energy. Uh, right. And, uh, but what you guys described or gin, what you described with the, um, with going keto and like not experiencing any results, it's, it's like, it's so common, right? And yeah. there's, there's a lot of different reasons, but I think that mm-hmm. some of the things that are hard, unless you're like drill sergeant anal about tracking everything are, you know, so we all know like fat, you're, you're getting nine calories for every gram of fat, whereas like you're getting like right. four for carbs and protein. So it's super easy to overeat. And- oh
2: yeah. I think I was overeating.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know I was for a long time. I was like, I was like, I'm going ketogenic and I'm like, why am I getting fat? And then I was like, well, maybe you're putting like a cup of olive oil on your salad. There's like a pool of olive oil at the bottom of the salad bowl. Um, that was, that was a clue. And then, and then the other thing too, is like, th- this is, this is a transition like that we that we're making metabolically and if we're used to mm-hmm. a ton of carbs, maybe there's some blood sugar issues there. And we know that like when we have blood sugar dysregulation, Um, or just elevated blood sugar levels. And then we're consuming a ton of dietary fats. Like our body's just more likely to store that as fat. Right. And, um, and I think a lot of people experience that and they're like, paleo doesn't work. Keto doesn't work. Like, and some of this is, you know, give your body a chance, stick with it long enough, but also be mindful of, you know, if you're like me and there's like a bowl of, of, you know, a cup of olive oil at the bottom of your salad bowl, like it is easy to overeat when you're doing a fat based Mm -hmm. diet.
2: Yeah, I also didn't feel well. I I, I didn't feel well ever. Even though I, I feel like I was fat adapted, obviously it was the fat I was eating more so than the fat on my body. But I didn't feel good, and and when I added back carbs, especially when I eat high quality carbs, I just feel so much better. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and I was gonna say to that point, as far as the food goes, like I do think I don't want to completely bash keto because I do, do think it does work for some people. And I think that's the thing is that. Individualized nutrition is really just about finding, yes. as far as the food goes, what works for you. It's like that recent um, that recent study they did where they found people's glycemic responses to different foods varies so widely um, that you can't even make any like assumptions about anything. Really, like one person will re- react to a banana, not a cookie. Another person will to a cookie and not a banana. Um, but the nice thing about intermittent fasting is it's completely bypassing the whole food question in a way <laughs> it's not uh, it's regulating blood sugar not by d- depending on what you're eating but mm-hmm. rather by what you're not eating exactly so it bypasses that completely
2: the magic's in the fasted state for us mm-hmm. that's where we regulate our hormones and
0: yeah we're, we're kind of at this um we're kind of at this turning point now where I think a lot of people are starting to, it's kind of like the third wave, right? For like throughout history until like the early 1900s, there was all of these different, you know, there was, there was traditional Chinese medicine, there was herbalists, and there was chiropractic, and there was Western medicine. And then it just kind of became about Western medicine and prescription for, for a long time. And with that transition, a lot of people gave away their power and mm-hmm. responsibility for their health and it was like if it wasn't coming from your doctor um it wasn't you know it, it, you shouldn't do it um mm-hmm. and, and i think now a lot of people are taking back that power and they're looking for answers what works for them what makes them feel good jen as you were like really right. tuned into with your journey um and and i think that you know our nutrition is a big foundational component of that as is is intermittent fasting and um yeah, it's cool. I mean, for, for so long, we've been focused on growth. You know, like there was like the bodybuilder wave where everybody wanted <laughs> to be like, yeah, like, whatever you do, don't go catabolic. I <laughs> and, know.
1: Eat everything. all the time. Yeah,
0: You should always be eating. And then you're like, wait a minute, like this guy's huffing and puffing, going up a flight of stairs. Maybe, you know, maybe this isn't the best approach. And, um, and, and now we're saying like, wait, there are some benefits to stopping all right. this consumption and like letting our body clear out some of these old weak cells. And, um, yeah. So you guys mentioned intermittent fasting, the fountain of youth. What are we seeing in the science, the empirical evidence, anecdotal stuff, um, about the, the benefits of intermittent fasting? What are you guys excited about?
2: Well, actually it's, (laughs) um, it's, it's huge in the, in the medical community right now, as far as the research goes, um, did you see the 2016 Nobel Prize in Medicine, Anthony?
0: I did not.
2: Well, guess what it was about? It was about the process of autophagy. Have you heard of autophagy? Yeah. That, that's- is, that is what is triggered when you are fasting. And so once you deplete your glycogen stores and you get into ketosis, which happens with intermittent fasters every day during the fast because we have depleted them over time. So now we can get into ketosis. But once you're in that state of ketosis, your body does something called autophagy where your body is taking out the cellular trash. And the research on autophagy is actually so exciting because that's where our bodies can take out the damaged parts that, that don't need to be there. And it has amazing anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer, anti-Alzheimer's, anti-aging. That's where the, the fountain of youth comes in. If we have that healing period during the day, then our bodies are less likely to deteriorate. And I think the fast is what what does that for
1: us. Yeah, and then historically, like calorie-restricted diets have been the most studied as far as uh, longevity is concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most people are not so down for long-term calorie restriction, although there is the calorie restriction society, I suppose. Um, but more recently, they've been doing more and more studies on intermittent fasting, and they found that it seems to work with similar mechanisms as calorie restriction, as far as longevity is concerned, it seems to activate similar genes. And like Jen talked about with the autophagy, um, but there's just a myriad of mechanisms by which it increases lifespan. So it's really, it's really exciting, honestly, because it allows you to, it's a sustainable lifestyle compared to calorie restriction, but still providing the benefits of longevity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I like, I like to kind of think of it as, um, You know, we're living in a world where we're exposed to more toxins than ever before in Mm -hmm. history, right? And we know Mm -hmm. that, that generally speaking, digestion and detoxification are two opposing processes. So if you're like constantly eating food and constantly digesting, you're not detoxifying as effectively Mm -hmm. as you could be in a world where we're being bombarded by toxins. And you guys guys talked about like when you fast, when you give your digestion a little bit of a break, like that apoptosis and autophagy has a chance to occur. You clear out the old junk, your body kind of like it's like doing a pit stop at the NASCAR, right? Now you you get some new tires and like, you're ready to go. (laughs) And and it it plays a huge role in just um, maintaining not just like youthful energy levels, but youthful appearance, uh, body, body composition. Um, and that's really, really cool. What, and maybe you guys can go into a little bit of, um, some of the impact that the seat is going crazy over here. Um, our multi poop, maybe you guys can go into a little bit of the benefits, uh, or not the benefits necessarily, but the effects of free radicals. And you know, what, what happens with free radicals when we're eating all the time versus, Fasting.
1: Yeah. Do you want to start or shall I start? Why don't you start? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so free radicals are actually one of the main proponents attributed to aging. And so it's basically the things we take in that we can take them through our environment, through toxins. Um, They're also generated as a byproduct of energy metabolism. So they're occurring naturally anyway. And they also are generated by the body as a, uh, interestingly, as its own defense mechanism as well. But in any case, what free radicals do is they, they create oxidation in the body and they basically deteriorate cells. And so they're a huge, huge problem for aging. And in today's society, we're just getting slammed with them in all honesty um but thankfully we can our body is set up to mitigate that itself um and we can lend a hand in that intermittent fasting is so anti-inflammatory and it actually by changing the fuel substrate for cells and by not eating all the time you're not generating as much of of those reactive byproducts you actually in the fat burning state create a more clean burning source of energy Um, so that's super helpful And, and then yeah, so it's just amazing. And then I could go into a whole tangent because I just did a uh, – I'm also a big wine drinker, and I just went on – I just did all the research on free radicals and polyphenols and all of that, but that's a different Oh,
0: well um, should, <laughs> we're, we're going to go into that after, gym because I think a bunch of I love my wine. You, just, oh, yeah. you just perked up when you said wine.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Melanie. Melanie is our wine expert. Of course, I like to just drink it, but yes. – <laughs> No, and, so and what Melanie said that's that's actually right right on target with it when um I don't have a lot to add but just it goes back to the fasted state that's where the benefits are that's where our body is healing and restoring and um we have a chance to as i said before take out the cellular trash and take care of the housekeeping that needs to go on we're not constantly putting more and more into our bodies we're not in that fed state all the time so that our body has time to handle things and and deal with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. Like when I, when I started going down this journey and and my paradigm opened up that like there's so much more to health and energy than just food, you know, and exercise. Mm -hmm. I started, I, I had this, fragmented view of everything i was like here's how you fix your adrenals and here's how you fix your thyroid and here's how you fix your digestion and then it's like and now it's kind of come full circle and like simplified to detoxification and getting your energy production your mitochondria working better and like so much is like if you do those two things like if you get autophagy like back working properly and apoptosis going on and like you allow your body to detox by not eating all the time, you know, which is also more convenient than preparing six meals a day. Things start to take care of themselves. Um, let's talk about polyphenols and, Maybe, you know, we'll de- we're definitely going to talk about wine. So I want to hear about wine. <laughs> yeah. You're like, everybody, everybody that like glazed over when we went into the nerd speak heard wine and was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you
2: can do wine, what?
0: Yeah. Sure, <laughs> I'll take one. Um, let's talk about polyphenols, maybe resveratrol if relevant, um, blueberries, and of course, wine. And, what, and coffee. And coffee. Coffee, yeah. Yeah, and, and what role they play in health fat loss, longevity, energy production.
1: Yeah. Well, so I love what you said about the fragmented mindset that we so often get into. It's, it's so true that we, we experience a health problem and we think there's a single solution to it when really it, I think a holistic approach to everything is key, which is also why I think a lot of people, things all happen together. Like Uh, they'll be fine. And then all of a sudden digestion will go to whack and their thyroid and all of this stuff. Um, But on the flip side, if you can get into a healing state, support, like you said, your mitochondria, your energy, you can really just heal rapidly all over. So I love your approach, your holistic view of everything. Um, So as far as polyphenols are concerned, going back to those free radicals, polyphenols are a great dietary way uh, to support an antioxidative state. So they really do combat free radicals in the body. They're super abundant in fruits and vegetables, um, but they're also particularly high in wine (laughs) because grapes are naturally high in polyphenols. They're found a lot in the the grape skin um, and the seed. So when you're creating wine, oh, and then also polyphenols, interestingly, they're generated by the plant as a defense mechanism against pests. So they're created when the plant is not created, but they're um, enhanced when the plant is injured. So when we're making wine from grapes, we're macerating grapes, we're crushing grapes, we're actually increasing their polyphenol content in the ultimate wine beverage. And then when we, uh, wines are often aged in oak, and oak can instill its own polyphenols. And so you mentioned like resveratrol. um Going back to like the segmented view of things, people do like to pull out like a single polyphenol, like, oh, resveratrol. Resver- is the answer or um, whatever, but there's actually potentially hundreds of polyphenols found in grapes and also in wine, and they likely work synergistically together. So I do think it's more healthy. Uh, I think people should turn to a glass of wine rather than a, a supplement, of resveratrol or a, a refined form to address uh, their oxidative state. But, uh, yeah, I love, I love some wine. I think it's, I think it's great for health and the polyphenol benefits are amazing.
0: And if you <laughs> That's were... why my
1: book, I'm sorry.
0: Oh, I, I totally cut you uh, off. That's why my book,
1: I was just gonna say, so my book is the what when wine diet. And so the what is paleo, the when is intermittent fasting and the wine is well, wine. Wow. <laughs> um,
0: there's going to be a bunch of people running to pick that up immediately, opening it in another <laughs> browser. Um, if you could, if you were on a, like a desert island and you could only have one type of wine with you, oh my goodness, what would it be? Like you can get as specific as you want, if you want to name brands or anything like that.
1: Oh oh oh, oh.
2: So oh gosh, I'm interested. <laughs> what Melanie's going to say? This one. <laughs> it would have. To,
1: oh, well, it would have to be. I think it would be Hall Cabernet, an organic. It would be a really nice organic Cabernet. Uh, and i think i wonder if they're biodynamic i'd have to go do some research i would want to find a, a really top of the line biodynamic di- bio biodynamic organic cabernet that's high in tannins high in uh, polyphenols yes
0: definitely. and you so you mentioned hall is that h-a-l-l
1: mm-hmm. i do like hall. hall i was just thinking about one of my favorites yeah
0: <laughs> okay nice um and it's Jin. do you have one
2: well, I actually love Prosecco the most. Oh yes, Mel- <laughs> we, we. I love Prosecco. I love the bubbles, but Melanie <laughs> has convinced me that I need to drink more red. So I am <laughs> making an effort. Now I love red wine too. I always have loved red wine. Um, I'm more of a, a Zen girl. I love a good Zen um, red Zen, not to be confused with what we drank in the 90s, which was white Zinfandel. <laughs> which <laughs> I'm not getting the same benefits out of that, but. <laughs> um, because they, you know, they, they take the skin out when they're processed. But anyway, um, right, Melanie? Did I explain that well? Yeah, well, it's, it, the rosés, they're just slightly in contact right. with the uh, they, they take it the out skin. sooner in the process. Mm-hmm. So you're getting a lot more benefits from the red, the um, the red wines. So, I do drink prosecco, and probably on a desert island, I would rather just have prosecco because you know I'm just <laughs> <laughs> now. So, if, if in my regular life I try to add the red, but on a desert island, I'm gonna drink prosecco because I just need that. <laughs>
1: how, about, how about you, Anthony? Anthony, you, uh,
0: you know, so for a while I had um, a delivery of dry farm wines coming every other month. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, and they're, they're pretty good about making sure they include a good amount of either organic or biodynamic. And they, mm-hmm. they put it through a, uh, a rigorous <laughs> testing and laboratory process, at least as far as uh, wine is concerned. Um, and then I was turned on to some other biodynamic wines. Um, but now a lot of times, like, I, you know, I stopped doing that because I was either drinking too much, um, where like one, one, you know, one bottle turns into three and the next morning you're like, Oh, I was supposed to do so much. With it. Um, but I did notice the hangover is still much less if you're drinking like good quality wine versus, you know, the, the, the two buck Chuck. Um, and which was like, it's a college wine. But, um, <laughs> now I look for, if I have an option and I'm like out at a restaurant, I'm looking for what is a red, like a Pinot Noir or a cab that was from Spain or France, mm. ideally. And that's like, mm. those are like my quick hacks. And, and, and I'll even ask if I narrow it down and there's more than one, I'll say like, hey, which one of these is cleaner? Which is like mm. kind of wine speak for like, less likely to make me feel like garbage when I wake up tomorrow. Right. Um, mm. And you can get a lot of data just looking for like where it's from. You you narrow it down to the cab and the Pinot Noir and then say, which one's cleaner? <laughs> it's like, that's what people kind of understand. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my my two cents on that.
1: It's <laughs> awesome, and then also I would like to bring it back to intermittent fasting because we get the question a lot about whether or not you can drink with intermittent fasting, yeah. and um, that's one of the awesome benefits as well is that you can definitely have wine or alcohol in your eating window, um, and it still experienced. that help. Well, first of all, alcohol itself does have health benefits, as does wine, um, but it does pair very well with intermittent fasting. So.
0: Yes, it's yeah. another
1: benefit.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Although I do have to say, this is just my own little warning. I'll be the mom here.
1: Oh, yes. <laughs> I know what you're going to say.
2: <laughs> you do not want to start off just straight with the alcohol. If you've been fasting for like 19, 23 hours, you don't want to start off with like a big ol' like, <laughs> don't start with the wine by itself. I always <laughs> like to have a little food with it because if you're in the fasted state and you start drinking... You're gonna be sorry.
0: I'm breaking. <laughs> it my hits craft. you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've learned. I learned that the hard way. I'm not gonna tell any stories now. But let's just say I will never drink bourbon again.
0: <laughs> oh, very cool. Very cool. Not and,
1: even kidding. <laughs> vodka for me. You
0: guys, you guys mentioned organic, um, and and that it was it was. You know, it's kind of a nice link between the polyphenols and then the organic versus conventional um, and some of some of the like natural defenses that 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 are, you know, uh, created by these plants. And like, maybe we could talk a bit about um, (laughs) such leading
1: questions. (laughs) You don't have to talk about this. But
0: yeah. But <laughs> if, if I ask a question that you're like not excited about, you, you're like next. Um, but, but like what happens when we when we cover grapes in this example with pesticides versus mm-hmm. grapes that are organic and have to kind of like fight for their life and defend themselves against insects more? And, and then how does that translate to health benefits for us when we consume those plants?
1: Yeah. So, two two major points to bring to that. Um, first of all, like I said, so the a lot of the protective compounds in plants are generated when the plant is having to fight for mm-hmm. itself in a way. Um, so, when we're spraying these plants with pesticides, we're actually downregulating their need to do that. So, mm-hmm. the study. They found that organic produce um, often has more beneficial compounds compared to the pesticide, the conventional produce. Right. But then, even worse, <laughs> the health benefits of pesticides. I really, I really think we're just now realizing, and I think we'll continue to realize how potentially detrimental they are to our health. Yep. Um, and I read this fascinating, fascinating study the other day, and. So interestingly, with pesticides, they're determined to be generally recognized as safe by looking at the main active component in a pesticide. So Roundup—I'm not sure exactly like what it is, but like so for Roundup, they look at the main active pesticide, and that's how they determine if it's safe or not. When in reality, these, these pesticides have multiple compounds in them mm-hmm. um, that aren't even listed, and they're they're categorized as inert. Um, but the studies have found that. Together, when you actually look at the entire pesticide compounds, the health the health effects are insane. The toxicity and everything is just really terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, And I think it's they found that it's studies have linked it to problems with the gut microbiome, um, to different cancers, to reproductive problems. And I just think it's I think it's a much bigger problem than we realize. And so I'm really happy that organic, even if it seems like it's like a fat or something, I, I'm glad that it's becoming more, more mainstream. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you mentioned the gut
2: microbiome because that's what I was going to going to mention, but um, that's exactly right. All these chemicals that we're putting in our bodies aren't just bad, you know, all, all around our bodies. They're also terrible mm-hmm. in the gut microbiome. And I'm doing a lot of reading about that. Are you done any reading about that recently, Anthony? I'm pretty sure you have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I was, but I was, that's gonna, like, yeah.
2: That's the seed of our health. I mean, we are healthy from our gut. You know, if our gut is unhealthy, we're unhealthy. I know you mentioned SIBO that you suffered with. But um, as far as the organic goes, I make sure when I'm fasting, I drink coffee in the morning. And that is absolutely a deal breaker for me is non-organic coffee. I stick to organic coffee only because if I'm fasting and I'm putting something into my body, I want it to be the best quality. So
0: organic coffee,
2: Well, I, I go to Costco, and there they have different types there, um, so it varies. I don't—I'm not married to a certain brand. I try a bunch of different things, and my son is like—we both drink our black coffee, but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> seventeen-year-old and I, so um, you know, we'll see, he'll say, "Oh, this one is not strong enough," or whatever. So we don't have like a particular favorite brand. We try them all. Right now, we're drinking a Cuban um, organic coffee. I can't remember the name of the brand, but it's Cuban, and it's like very robust <laughs>
0: nice, I'm, a, nice.
1: I'm a bulletproof coffee girl over here I like is, <laughs> actually i don't do the bulletproof coffee style with like the added fat and everything um but i do like the brand especially mm. for the the lack of mold toxins and everything because actually like you so i lived not like you lived in an apartment for three years with mold i lived in an apartment for three years um with mold um got food poisoning and got SIBO as well that's the part that's like you, um, <laughs> but uh, so I've become really in tune with how toxins affect the body and mold specifically, and all of that. But so my coffee—I'm a bulletproof coffee girl. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I think it, I think it makes a big difference. You know, if we're drinking it during the day, we want to make sure it's the highest quality possible mm-hmm. during the fast. More than anything else, I mean, I'm not married to organic constantly for everything. You know, I think organic dairy is very important, but during the fast, it makes a difference.
0: Yeah, what I'd be curious. What do you guys say? You know, and if you haven't experienced this, that's another story. But what do you say when someone tells you that organic doesn't matter and you're just wasting money?
2: Well, I, you know, it's not my job to to convince them, but I. I just give them the look. Yeah, I'm an elementary teacher. You may not know that. (laughs) I've been teaching school for 27 years, so I just look at them. (laughs) I don't even have to answer that, you know? People can think whatever crazy stuff they want to think. But, I mean, I think it's very very clear. As soon as you start to understand how the human body works, you start putting things that aren't meant to be in the human body. It's not going to work the same way. So, it just, to me, if I have to argue with somebody about that, I'm not going
1: to.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And kind of to that point, it actually brings up another question of sorts or topic to cover Um, as far as people, people react, people saying like, oh, it's all about calories. Um, Okay. Okay. So (laughs) people backlash basically. So people Mm -hmm. questioning what you're doing or judging what you're doing or telling you you're wrong or what you're doing isn't going to work. And that happens a lot with intermittent fasting, just having social issues with people and Jen and i get a lot of questions on the podcast about how to deal with that and how to respond to people and so like for me personally i think that i mean it's great to be very informed in what you're doing as far as health goes so like with the organic and then with intermittent fasting and just have that wealth of knowledge um but of course i don't think you want to like if somebody's like oh what you're doing is wrong you don't necessarily want to be like well here's all these studies and you don't want to like overwhelm them or anything. So I think yeah. just having that in the back is really key. And then just being confident in what mm-hmm. you're doing and knowing why it works. Um, and realizing that everybody has what works for them individually. Yeah. But cause yeah, cause that's so the social issue and <laughs> people's responses is definitely a big thing to deal with.
0: For <laughs> sure. For sure. <laughs> So we've probably got like two two types of people that are hanging out with us today. And there's, there's people that have never heard of intermittent fasting before and like maybe are a little bit interested in, in the fountain of youth and uh, ramping up their detoxification and fat loss and all that fun stuff. And then there's probably people that have done, that have tried intermittent fasting, whether that's like 16-8 or, um, you know, the, the warrior, you know, like one meal a day approach or something like that. If you were to give one tip, to the beginner who's never fasted, um, and one tip to someone that, these can be separate tips, one tip to someone that's more advanced and maybe tried fasting but didn't have a good experience, um, what would you say? We'll start with the beginner.
2: Actually, my advice would be the same for both of them, and I think it's so important. And I run a couple of Facebook support groups, Groups we have over twenty thousand members in the groups combined, and so I talk to a lot of beginners every single day about intermittent fasting, and also the people who have been doing it for years. And actually, they make one of the same mistakes, which is why I'm um, mentioning it for both. And that is, is keeping the fast clean. I think is the most important part. That's what we how we refer to it in our groups. But people want to have artificial sweeteners and they think that something is zero calorie, that it must be okay for the fast because they think that, well, I'm fasting. I'm not having any calories. I can have this diet soda or I can put this um,
0: artificial Uh, sweetener
2: in my coffee or even stevia. They're like, well, stevia is all natural. It's fine. It's organic. I can use it. But actually, no. The mistake that most people want to make when they're beginning or if they've been doing it for a long time and they don't realize is they want to have that um, artificial sweetener butt or those stevia, but we know that that causes an insulin release because your your tongue doesn't understand. And so um, they've actually done studies in mice where, mice or rats, one of the two, where they would put the sweet taste on their mouth and insulin was released. They could measure it. Then they cut the nerve from the tongue to the brain And when they put the sweet taste on the tongue, no more insulin release. So it shows that it's the perception of the sweet taste that causes the the insulin to be released. And if you know anything about the fat-burning state, we know that insulin is a hormone that when you have a lot of insulin in your system, you're not burning fat. So if you want to reap all the benefits of the fat-burning state, you want to keep your insulin as low as possible. So you may think, well, I'm just drinking this diet soda all day long. It's zero calories. How can it possibly be affecting me? But if it's causing your body to release insulin all the time, you're actually not doing yourself any good. Not to mention, of course, the effects that those types of things would have on your gut microbiome. They have other health problems too. But both beginners and some people who have been doing it for a while don't realize that this is the most important thing. And frequently people who have been trying it for a while will say, you were right. You know, I cut out the the sweetener in my coffee, and all of a sudden, the fast was easy. <laughs> I'm like, I told, I told you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, <wasn't kidding. laughs> I stopped and so, crushing Coke Zeros; yeah, everything fell into place. <laughs> right.
2: As soon as I quit putting that creamer in my coffee, you know, but you really don't want to um, spike your insulin. You want to avoid anything sweet during the fast, and it really makes a difference. I had a response one time too before I really realized. Um, that even like a fruity flavor could do that. I was drinking some strawberry mineral water. The only ingredient was natural strawberry flavor. It had zero calories. It had no sweeteners. But right after I drank that strawberry mineral water, uh, within the hour, I got shaky. And that's what you would have happen if you had an insulin release because insulin's job is to take glucose out of the blood. So I immediately got shaky like I was having a blood sugar crash. So I knew that insulin had been released and I had been fasting long enough to know that's not a normal way that I feel during the fast. So I said, all right, you know, this is no joke. So now I just keep the fast very clean. I drink black coffee. I drink sparkling mineral water with no added flavors. And I think that makes all the difference in the world for someone who's starting off too.
0: That's great advice. Yeah. Mel, anything that you'd add?
1: Oh man. Okay. Okay.
0: That's a tough act to follow, Mike. I, top, I know. Walk off. The
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, like Jen, <laughs> I, like Jen, I as well benefited when I started fasting clean, which I actually didn't use that term until I met Jen. Yeah,
2: we made um, it up. We made it up. Okay. <laughs> group. I mean, or, I don't know. We just started saying it and then it, it started, it kind of took off. Like my first book, I didn't even use that terminology in the book. So <laughs> does, yeah, does it, that it, pertain it to, well.
0: for like people that are putting, let's say like caprylic acid in their coffee or butter or something like that. Like, would you guys say, is that, is that dirty? Is that fasting? Dirty? Well,
2: See, fats are different. Fats aren't going to cause you to have an insulin release the same way. I mean, of course, you know, cream is not a pure fat, as an example. It's got some protein in there. It's got some carb content too, a little bit, but that that's not going to be as, as, a quite of a, as big of a deal. Some people find that during the adjust, adjustment period, they may want to have some fats in their coffee to help them adjust. It's, it's not as big of a problem, but of course, then you're not burning the fat from your body. Yeah. You have to decide what's your goal. Do you want to burn the fat from your body or the fat from your coffee cup mm-hmm. so body. yeah and what do you think
1: melanie um, well first of all so back to the advice thing it's hard because i would want to give like so much advice <laughs> um but i guess for the new for the newbie i think the main thing i would encourage them to do is when they start intermittent fasting to stay busy and to repurpose their energy. So rather than starting intermittent fasting in a state where they're like, oh, I'm fasting and I need to you know, just lie around because I'm fasting. Um, <laughs> they need to uh, probably stay busy, um, embrace the fast window as a time of productivity, and the hours will just fly by. And I really think that helps catalyze the transition to intermittent fasting. And then for somebody who's been fasting for a while, um, if they haven't already, my biggest advice would be to look at the what they're eating as well as when they're eating. Um, so if they're not doing like a whole foods diet or if they're still eating processed foods and all of, all of the nefarious stuff, I would really encourage them to take a look at that and maybe um, make some different food choices. So those would be my, my two things.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Love the tips. Um, Do you guys measure your blood sugar? Do you use like a glucometer? Um, Do you measure your blood ketones? Anything like that? Or was that more something that you did at the beginning and like don't do now?
1: Well, do you want to go first? Oh no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm well, excited I about this question. To say, yeah,
2: I like it too. I um. This is a great question because we get this all the time. That that um. No, I, I don't measure my blood glucose, but I have um, measured my ketones. I have one of the breathalyzers that you breathe into, the ketonics brand, and I got it when I was doing keto, of course, because I wanted to measure that I was. You know in ketosis but then when i switched over to intermittent fasting not even thinking about ketosis at that time but i realized hey i still have this feeling even though i'm eating carbs now and so i blew into it and and got a reading i was in ketosis and one of the biggest misconceptions people have is that you have to either be eating a ketogenic diet or you have to um here's my cat sorry <laughs> You have to either be eating a ketogenic diet or you have to fast for like 48 hours straight before you're going to get into ketosis. But I have verified with my ketonics breath meter that I am in ketosis every single day during the fast. And it has to do with once you you know, have those depleted glycogen stores. So it's it's not something you have to do, but it was fun to see that as a verification.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: You know, I- so as for me... Actually, I so I started with the ketone, the urine analysis strips to measure your ketones. Mm-hmm. And I, I can honestly say that those strips are probably the reason I became obsessed with fat burning and diet and everything. Just because it was the first time that, at least to me, it seemed that I could validate my fat burning like I could actually see evidence <laughs> on these sticks of oh I'm burning fat and it just seems so scientific um I don't do I don't measure my ketones anymore and then I also do know that those those strips it, it can be they can be misleading in a way as to whether or not you're burning ketones um I would love to have a breathalyzer but they're so expensive <laughs> um so I haven't been using that but as far as the the blood sugar goes I historically had never really measured my blood sugar except when I went to the doctor and I was always, um, seemed to be a little bit slightly higher on the blood sugar and even in the fasted state, which I attribute, uh, it's better now, but I think I attribute that to like cortisol and, um, all of that. Um, but now I actually do have a meter and I've become a little bit obsessed with measuring my blood glucose. I'm just blood glucose. I'm really just fascinated by, um, how it is based on I like to compare it to how I'm feeling and then take it and see what it is and see how that compares. I'm also really interested in personalized nutrition and personal Mm -hmm. glycemic responses. So I've been playing around with how I react to different foods. Um, But yeah, it's a relatively new part of my scientific self experimentation but i do really like having it i was really nervous cuz like ah oh, i can't prick myself <laughs> um, but it's not that it's not that hard
0: <laughs> so. nice nice i'm curious when you're when you're when you noticed your blood sugar was a little bit high was this like did this correlate with the time that you were maybe like dealing with some mold toxicity and some of that stuff that could have been spiking cortisol and those stress hormones
1: interestingly I actually hadn't even thought about that. But yes, that was the time when I was moving, living in that apartment. Um, it was also when I was way lower carb as well. And I think, and I, I was also doing way more caffeine as well. So I think it was probably the conglomerate of the, the toxins, the apartment, um, being super low carb, relying on caffeine a little bit too much. Um, I would just find that even in the fastest state, I would have higher blood sugar. Um, but now it's, I am really excited. Whenever I take it, it seems to be almost perfect, especially near like the end of my fast. It's, it's really, it's at really good levels. Um, so, yeah, I also don't like to read too. M- I don't ever want to make too many assumptions in general about a certain reading or anything at one certain time, because I do think there's just so much going on and we, we're so quick to make assumptions and make generalizations when we we don't really know mm-hmm. the whole picture um, so I do, I am wary of that.
0: You, you, you mentioned something that was like, um, it, 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 reminded me of a question that I ask a lot of clients, which is like it, looking at the acute stressors in your life. Right. So you were talking about like maybe mold toxicity, maybe calorie restriction, maybe carb restriction. I don't know if intermittent fasting was in there. Um, but at any given time, like we all have a number of acute stressors and chronic stressors that are going on. Mm -hmm. Um, do you ever like look at someone and you're telling them, look, you've already got too much stress in your life. Adding another stress, like intermittent fasting may not be the best idea until you knock out some of the other ones, or has that not been an issue?
1: Um also I okay. I have a lot of thoughts on this one because that is a common thing that people bring up is that intermittent fasting is going to be a stressor that it's going to be a stressful state and it sh- that you shouldn't add it on top of other stressors um, but I think the key is separating beneficial hormetic stresses for stressors versus chronic stressor and intermittent fasting is a hormetic stress similar in a way to exercise um so I and I think the perception is so key. So I think if people interpret intermittent fasting as a negative stress, then I do think it's going to add to their pre-existing chronic stress. Like it could become a chronic stress for them. Um, but I think if people understand that intermittent fasting itself is actually a beneficial hormetic healing stress. And they're ensuring that they're adequately recovering and they're eating a lot of nutrients and food in their eating window. I actually, I do believe that it can benefit Person, even if they are experiencing chronic stress, but again, we're not doctors, obviously, and um, you really have to find what works for you, and you have to experiment. But I do think um, perspective is key. Um, And I've been doing a lot of research recently on how intermittent fasting affects the adrenals and women's uh, like reproductive health and everything. And in general, I just I'm not finding the studies there. Intermittent fasting without calorie restriction is a negative. It's more. restricted dietary protocols that involve fasting that result in dietary restriction where you're starting to see problems. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on there and it's complicated, um, but I do think it can be a healthy thing even in our stressful environment. And it also
2: takes a lot of stress off of us. You know, we talked yes. about when you, when you just don't understand, well, I mean, you, you both probably do actually, <laughs> but, but some people who are not intermittent fasters may not understand how much pressure it takes off of you because when you're trying to diet and you're like like Melanie mentioned earlier today and you're trying to be perfect and every time you eat during the day, you like feel like you have to atone for it. Now you're intermittent fasting and, and and you don't have that anymore. You're like, I'm eating in my window and I'm not eating during the day. And it relieves that. Is it time to eat? What should I eat? Am I gonna eat? Is this okay? Is this the right food? You've removed all that from your life. So you, you can relax for the first time, maybe ever relax about what you're eating and when you're eating it. And I think that's, that's a, a big um, plus for the lifestyle.
0: Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. No. I,
1: I just, I, was just gonna say, I just think we've become so fearful of stress right, in a way that it has ultimately added stress. I think stress is huge. I think chronic stress is very degenerate, g- degenerating and it's a problem, but I just think that we fixate on it so much that we almost make it worse in a way.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's I'm like, a big
1: believer in that. <laughs> I'm very sure. anti-stress. So I'm like, ah, oh, stop all the stress and yeah. stop stressing about the stress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's yeah. kind of like the um, the like. <laughs> you know, when someone kind of goes on a health kick and it's like, everything is bad for you. And you're like, Mm -hmm. like that, that fear of the world that like, I want to be in a bubble mindset. Like that alone is a stress that may very well exceed all the things you're afraid of.
2: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you're like thinking, should I eat this sweet potato because I'm afraid of, and people are afraid of sweet potatoes nowadays, you know, they think it's, you know, carbs and (laughs) but That's a big stress right there. If you have to worry, you know, throughout your entire day, if you're eating, uh, you know, for a 12 hour period of your day and you're constantly worried about that food, that's not good for you either.
0: Yeah, Yeah, totally agree. And I I don't know if this happened for you ladies, but when I started fasting, I came face to face with a lot of motivations for consuming food that weren't necessarily hunger.
1: Oh, yes. yes.
0: Oh, yes. Boredom.
2: Guys- yeah, we're, we're bored. We, we, you know, we're like, well, what can I do?
1: I'll go have a snack.
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: yep. Yeah. Yeah, food yeah. has definitely become entertainment, mm-hmm. um, and it's become something to do for fun, and you you don't really realize that completely until you do go this period of abstinence, and you get those cues that would normally be stimulating you mm-hmm. to go eat, and you have to you realize, oh, you just realize all the all the things that were making you want to eat constantly before, um, and you have to you have to sit with that. And and you also
2: yeah. notice when you become an intermittent faster, you notice how much other people are consuming around you all the time because, you know, I'm I, I show up at work and everybody has you know a mug of coffee in their hand, but it's not black coffee it's coffee full of creamer and full of you know different different things so they're constantly drinking that all throughout the morning then they have lunch then in the afternoon they have something else and so people are constantly having having something come into their body food or beverage and it's you notice that when you're an intermittent faster everyone seems to rely on that now Yeah. yeah
0: Yeah. I was at a, uh, like a corporate training that I was doing, um, a week and a half ago and I opened up the Mm -hmm. fridge. We were just giving some examples and I opened up the fridge and like, I'm not exaggerating. There were like 15 bottles of creamer. You know, the stuff with yeah, like yeah. corn syrups, the first ingredient or some weird shit like that. You're right. like, oh, yeah. no, how much of this is going in all of your coffee? You know, just throw this away and you'll you'll be off to a great start. Um,
2: no, I went to a
0: conference
2: uh, that made me think of this. I went to a conference this spring. They fed us, no lie. I mean, I didn't eat any of it because I was fasting, but they gave us, first they gave us breakfast. Then there was a... M- Morning snack, coffee break with snacks. And everybody was having little pastries with coffee. Then there was lunch. Then there was an afternoon snack break. Then there was dinner. And I'm like, I, everybody was constantly, every time we left a session, they would get something else. And I was like, what is, <laughs> <laughs> everyone was constantly eating. And then they were tired. Everybody
1: was like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm like, I feel great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: That's
1: yep. the thing. You get more energy the farther you, yeah. or for most people, you get more energy the farther rather you go into your fast yeah. rather than the opposite.
0: That's, that's so, been one of the, that's been one of the big, biggest benefits for me is like just the sustained mental clarity. And you, I feel like the days that I fast, I get like way more done. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh yes, it's almost like sometimes I'm like, I don't, I'm like kind of hungry, but I don't want to eat because this feels so good.
1: Yes. I get that <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome.
0: Like, um, like once I eat my
1: brain sort of, shuts down it's like okay time to time to go to bed
0: yeah <laughs> yeah for sure um last last question i'd be curious like you we, we've talked about the importance of finding what works for you and like personalized nutrition and and, and you know personalized personalized medicine personalized nutrition customization and how ultimately, like that's what yields the best results um what have you guys found works for you um and you know more specifically like what does a week look like As it relates to intermittent fasting, you know, is it is it a twenty four hour fast once a week? Is it every day you're fasting eighteen hours and eating in a six hour window? Maybe each of you could could share with the listeners a rough idea of where you're at right now.
1: All right, you want to go first, Melanie? Sure. Yeah, that's a wonderful question because I guess we haven't even really talked about that. Um, So for me where I have settled is I do daily intermittent fasting. I only eat at night. So I uh, one meal, but it's spread out over probably like four or five hours or so. Um, Typically happens later in the evenings. So it varies, but I might start eating as early as like seven, um, as late as even like 10 sometimes, which is kind of crazy. I'm a night owl. Um, And then for me, um, a paleo approach is key for me, so I follow whole foods diet um, with meat, uh, vegetables, fruits, healthy fats. I don't eat grains, legumes, dairy, processed or refined foods, and then of course I include a hearty dose of wine along with that, and it just works wonderfully for me. So, Jen, how about you? Well, for me, I am not quite as
2: much of a night owl I'm an early bird, <laughs> so I wake up bright and early every morning, but I usually open my window if it's if I'm working, I don't eat till I get home from work, so it may be four thirty five o'clock before i I'll have my first food for the day, so I don't have to take food with me. I basically almost only eat at home now um but I'm home for the summer now. I'm not working. So I may open my window at four, somewhere between four and five, five thirty, depending on just if I'm busy, what I'm doing. And I'll usually, I'll start with a snack. And um, oh, by the way, I didn't mention this, but I do this every day. This is, you know, seven days a week. It's just how I feel best. It's not like I have to follow this regimented plan because I'm cheating. If I don't, it's just because I feel better when I wait till this time of the day to open my window. So I'll have a snack and then I'll, um, You know, do a few more things before I start preparing dinner. I actually cook for my family every night, Um, so I'll make a meal. So I'll start cooking maybe around you know, depending on when my husband's going to be home from work. I might start cooking at five thirty or even six thirty. I haven't cooked yet today, and it's almost six thirty here. I actually didn't have a snack today either, but it's it's no big deal. I just kind of you know whatever my schedule is. I'll open my window before dinner or while I'm cooking dinner, and then I'll have a really nice dinner. Usually with a glass of wine, and then maybe I'll drink a little wine. My husband and I'll watch some TV, or we'll talk, or whatever we are doing that evening. And then um, maybe some sort of dessert later on. <laughs> so my window ends up being probably now around four to six hours. Sometimes it's it's a little longer than five, um, but not usually. Just depending on you know what time I had my snack or if I'm having a little dessert at the end.
0: Yeah. I I love that. And I I love the importance of finding what works for you and what Mm -hmm. makes you feel good. Right. You know, you're like, look, Mm -hmm. this isn't, this isn't dogma. This is like what I've found makes me feel good. And similarly, if, if someone listening tries a protocol that may have worked well for, you know, you, Jen or Mel or me or someone else, and it makes them feel like garbage, There may be a modified version of that that makes them feel good, and um, it's not a one size fits all approach. No,
2: absolutely not. There are many intermittent fasting protocols, and you know, people in our our groups on Facebook will say, "What's the best?" Well, no, it's the one that you can live with, and it's the one that you can turn into a lifestyle, and you don't have to be so rigid. I mean, if someone next Sunday called me up at eleven a.m. and said, "I'd like to go out to brunch with you," and it was a friend I hadn't seen for a while, I'd go have brunch at eleven a.m him if it was important to me and it didn't ruin my day. And I haven't cheated on my diet because it's a lifestyle. So if if there's an important, you know, you, you make flex, you know, you're flexible. you got to enjoy it and live your life.
0: Yeah. And it, 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 when done right, it, uh, it allows you to have the wine or the desserts and not um, not just go off the rails. and Right. Uh, um, exactly. Sean Hadsel was telling me a pretty funny story about how he came up with his uh, Siesta Keys diet. And, um, he was like, he was in the Siesta Key, Florida with his family and like every night they were going out, they were having wine, they were having dessert. And he's like, I lost my abs in like five days. And I was like (laughs) freaking out because he's like, my whole career is like, I'm the grandpa with abs, (laughs) you know? And, uh, so he's like, I started the Siesta Keys plan and the foundational component was that is he's like, I'd fast all day. And then Mm -hmm. I'd go out and I'd have wine and I'd have dessert and I'd eat with my family. And then, you know, I do my fasted workout in the morning and like wash, rinse, repeat. And he's like that, that balance allowed me to maintain while I was still having dessert, while I was still having, you know, and he, he did some other things that if, if anyone wants that, you know, they could check out the program and, and get, get in on that. But, um, no, this has been, this has been amazing. I've had a, I've had a ton of fun with both of you guys. Yeah, this has been yeah,
1: awesome loved
0: it. You're wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. When, uh, when, so people that want more of your stuff, where's, where's the best intermittent fasting podcast on iTunes? Is that the best place for them to keep up with you? You both have books that are fantastic. And I was reading through those before we jumped on and there's a lot of gold nuggets in there. Uh, Let the listeners who are digging your message know where they can keep up with, uh, with you ladies.
2: All right. Well, both of us are at the, um, the podcast website and you can actually get to our personal websites through that. The podcast website is www.ifpodcast.com. And as, as, as I said, it links to both of our websites. My personal website is jenstevens.com and I'm Jen like the liquor, G-I-N um, Stevens with a P-H, jenstevens.com. And my book is called Delay Don't Deny and it's available um amazon you know other online ebook sellers you can get the paperback version through amazon or through barnes and noble and the ebook through just anywhere that you normally would get an ebook
1: yeah and then um as for me so i have podcast.com my personal blog is melanieavalon.com and my my book is the what when wine diet um the original self-published version version is the one one intermittent fasting for health and weight loss. Um, it's actually currently unavailable uh, because it's been picked up by a publisher. So a new version with about 80% new content. I'm, it's like the dream version of the book I always wanted. I'm so excited about it. Um, it'll have recipes and wine pairings it talks about paleo intermittent fasting and wine, but it'll be released in stores nationwide in January 2018, but you can pre-order it on Amazon right now.
0: So, very, very cool. Yes, www.ifpodcast.com has everything that you need to follow these ladies and keep up with uh, the cool stuff that they're working on. Mel and Jin, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you guys hanging out. Had a blast, and I'll uh, we'll have to do it again soon.
2: Thank you, well, Anthony. Thank you, you for having us.
0: This episode is brought to you by Prove It Keto OS exogenous ketones. Now, many of you know that when you fast for... Around 24 hours, or you follow a ketogenic diet, your body starts to produce ketones in the form of beta hydroxybutyrate and acetoacetate. Now, we don't need to go into too much nerd speak, but what is really cool about Prove It Keto OS, exogenous ketones, is that you're able to get these same energy producing ketone molecules in a drink form, and it's a delicious drink form that tastes like chocolate or orange dreamsicle, and these energy-producing molecules improve mental clarity, they improve oxygen utilization during exercise, and have a whole host of other benefits. You can get them charged with a little bit of caffeine for an extra lift if you tolerate caffeine, or you can get them without caffeine if you are sensitive to stimulants. I've also found them incredibly helpful in bridging the gap as the body transitions into a state of ketosis and making that whole shift a little bit more tolerable. So I have found them to be very, very helpful. A lot of my clients love them. Just be a little careful if you are sensitive to dairy um, starting out. But besides that, they're amazing and they're coming out with a dairy-free option very, very soon. So to learn more about them, go to biohacks.com proveit, P-R-U-V-I-T now.com, and they have a free $14 or $15 sampler pack that you can get and see if they're a good fit for you. I use them just about every single day, and that website, one more time, is biohacksp